Parshas Vayetzei, Erev Tov. Welcome everyone to um, our <coughs> Thursday night Chumash challenge here. Parshas Vayetzei, broadcasting live from CBS Community Center in Kailo. And this is Bishmor, in, um, we're, we're broadcasting you from the great blizzard of 2018. So far. So far. Great blizzard of 2018. All the, the island who braved it out over here. Um, so it's like this. Uh, 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 let's go through a few ideas in Vayetzei. So we encounter Yaakov in his flight from Choron, in his flight to Choron from Beersheba. And um, he um, <clears throat> is stopped. He is stopped prematurely in, in Basel, which trans- turns out <clears throat> it's Luz, which transpires is really the Harabayis, comes there. And he goes back, and the Harbais comes to him. Anyway, he stopped over there because the sun sets, and the sun sets early, and he um, finds himself going to the night, going to sleep for the night early. And um, there's a stira, a contradiction in the Pesukim, which Rashi picks up on. It says that when he goes to sleep, it says, Vayikach me'avne ha'mokom. Vayosem me'rashosov. The second Pesuk in the parasha, this is page 144, slash 145. The second Pasuk in the parasha, it says, Vayivka, Bamokam, he bumped into the place. Rashi says the place literally bumped into him. Yushalayim, the, Har- the Har- Harabais, came towards him, and they bumped into each other. He went to sleep there. Vayalan Shom Kivo Hashemesh. Vayikach me'avne Amokam, he took from the stones of that place. Vayosem me'rashoyisav, and he put them around his head. He put them around his head. Vayishka Bamokam Ahu. And he went to sleep in that place. And when he wakes up in the morning, we know it says, Evan, it became one stone. They were all arguing over the course of the night, you know, which stone is going to get the privilege to be right next to his head. And Hashem made the merge into one stone. Okay, but in any case, when he went to sleep, there were 12 stones. He took 12 stones and he put them, Mirasho Yisov. Let's see the Rashi. Rashi says this means not under his head, but around his head. He put 12 stones around his head. Why did he put stones around his head? Why did he put stones around his head? To protect them from animals. Very good. Let's see Rashi. There's Rashi. It's the, towards the bottom of the right-hand column in Rashi. Um, <clears throat> at, at this point in time, we only have um, um, a, 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 uh, an abundant supply of Chumashim with Rashi in Hebrew, not English Hebrew. Um, we're waiting for our big charity event to raise enough money to get a whole shelf full of the with English Rashi. Okay, for the time being, time being, everyone just stay tuned for our big fundraising event. Okay, tell your friends, tell all your friends, make make lots of friends so you have lots of friends to tell about the event. In any case, so we're going to look at Rashi together in Hebrew. So Rashi in Hebrew says like this, towards the bottom of the right-hand column. He put stones around his head. As son, he made them come in marzev, like a, a gutter. We translate that as a gutter. It means like a little barrier. Saviv l'roishoi. Around his head. He put it around his head. Why? Sheyari mipnei chayos rois. He was afraid of wild animals. He's afraid of wild animals. He's out there in the wilderness. There's, you know, back in the day, in Eretz Yisrael, there were bears, there were mountain lions. They've kind of driven all these animals away. But there used to be lots of wild animals roaming Eretz Yisrael. And he's afraid of what's going to happen to him. He goes to sleep at night with all these animals roaming around. So he's afraid because the animals are going to do what? There's a human being sleeping over there and... Uh, a particularly hungry bear comes along, and what's it going to do? It's going to attack him and eat him, right? He's afraid of the wild animals. One second, one second. 
So Yaakov's afraid of the wild animals. So what does he do? Puts the racks around his head. Around his head. Okay, so Yaakov's head is quite safe. That means when the hungry bears come along at night, they'll just eat the rest of him, right? But the head is fine. The head is gewaldic. The head is, the head is going to be untouched. So Rashi is clearly a pella. I mean, there's a Rashi. This is explicit Rashi. Everyone, this is one of the first Rashis in the parasha. It means even if we're behind in, 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 in Shnai Mikra, this Rashi, for sure, everybody does. This Rashi, what's the Pashim Shah in the Rashi? The Rashi is a pella. Rashi is mamash a pella. Rashi says he put stones around his head because he's afraid of Chayis Royce. Great. So they'll just eat the rest of him, like we said. What's he doing? What's going on over here? What's the Pashup Shat in the Rashi? But the Pashup Shat in the Rashi is a half of the Giyasoid for each and every one of us for life. The Pashup Shat in the Rashi is nothing more than a very clear and, 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 and blunt insight into the big sugya of Hishtadlus versus Bitochen, which means our efforts, what we put into life versus the payback from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what the Rebbein does for us. It's like this. All of life is, is, uh, is an exercise in us having to make hishtadlis. Hishtadlis means our own effort, our own, um, uh, our own um, contributions, our own, um, our own uh, you know, pursuit and investment and involvement of what we need to do to make it in life. That's called hishtadlis. Hishtadlis is when we do things. So on the one hand, it looks to us like our hishtadlis is uh, giving us a direct payoff. And it looks like there's a direct connection between our hishtablus, again, which means our efforts, our investments, our labors, and the results. You know, we invest in a good resume. We send that to a lot of people. We, we, we have someone coach us for interviews. We land a good job, and we, we, we buy a new suit. We come well-dressed, and we know how to get ourselves on the boss's good side, etc., so we end up being successful in this job and climbing up the ladder and all that. And it looks like that was all a result of our hishtadlus, right? Of our efforts and investments. That's what it looks like. At the same time, we know that Yiddishkeit hishtadlus is nothing more than a game. It's a game. It's a game that we have to play. But the reality of the situation is that there is only a passing relationship between hishtadlus and, and, and the results, our efforts and our labors and the results. And the results are always coming from the one above. They're always coming from the Rebbeinu Shalalam. They're always coming from Hashem Himself. And there's, only, uh, there's no intrinsic link between the Hishtadlis and the results, even though it looks like that. There is only a passing relationship. I think Hashem is saying, okay, you rolled the dice, you moved your piece the right amount of space on the board, I'll send down the Shefa now, I'll send down the Bracha. And <clears throat> the truth is, that's the way it is in reality. And the... And, 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 uh, and the question that needs to be asked then is that, so but why do we see, we see that it looks like for all intents and purposes that no, this person, he invested a lot in his job and he had a big payoff. And this guy didn't invest anything and he's, he's, still, he's still the male boy, right? He's still the guy all the way on the bottom of, of, of the totem pole there because he doesn't know how to dress, he doesn't know how to talk to the boss, he can't get along with people, etc. We see he's all the way at the bottom and the guy who, who's savvy and, and street smart, he's all the way at the top. So it does look like there's a direct relationship. What do you mean it's all coming from Hashem? So the is like this. There, we said that in, 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 in reality, in, in, in the theory of the matter, there's only an, <clears throat> a, 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 a casual, that's not even the right word. The right word is there is a, a um, <clears throat> a, 
the opposite of the word of, of intrinsic. Yeah, no, I was going to say extrinsic, but there's another word that's also the opposite of it. There's only a a. Um, well, that's a very good word, and we have to find an excuse to use that word tonight. But I don't know if this is the right. Um, non-essential. Okay, we'll go with non-essential. Um, oh, we'll go casual, casual, non-essential. Relationship between Ishtadlus and the results. That's true in theory. Is that really going to be true in practice? That that I that my my efforts are really only are 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 are, are only um, uh, <clears throat> casually relate to the results. So that really has to do with our outlook in life. That has to do very much with us. The more that we really understand that the results are coming from Hashem, and we just have to go through the motions and play this game then the more that there's only a passing relationship and a non-essential relationship and a casual relationship. But if we believe that it's a, what's called if we believe that it's our efforts that are generating the results, then inevitably HaKadosh Baruch Hu will always say the following. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will say, if you really hold that it's your own efforts that are going to get you a good job and it's your own efforts that are going to get you a good shidduch, get, you, get your kids a good shidduch, get you into this school, get you into that school, if you really, really believe that it's you, okay, I'll take a step back and I'll let it be you. I'll let it be you. So this fellow who's doomed to be forever at the bottom of the, of the company over there, and we see that he just doesn't know how to, how to, how to play the game, to play the game, the corporate game, that's, a, that's an indicator that this fellow is, 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 is pretty, we'd say, weak in his emun and bitachin. Because the more we believe in our own ishtalis, the more Hashem takes a step back and says, okay, you believe it's your ishtalis, I'll let it be your ishtalis. The more we believe that our ishtalis is really what it, what it is in reality, which is just rolling the dice, moving the piece, and Kodesh Baruch Hu says, okay, you got, you understand that you just have to go through the motions and you have to play this game, but I'm the one that's giving you bracha, I'm the one that's giving you shefa, and I'm capable of giving it whatever you do, whatever, whatever that comes up on the dice, whatever card you play, then I'll give you all the shefa you deserve, I'll give you all the bracha you deserve, I'll give you all the bounty that you deserve. So that's exactly what we see in a very, very, very poignant way over here with Yaakov Avinu. And this is the, 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 like a very extreme example of this. In other words, someone that's holding on a very high level of bitachin and Hashem has to do very little hishtalis. We always have to do hishtalis because we live here in this world. No one can ever escape from having to do hishtalis. He always has to play the game because we live down here. But someone with high level emunah, high level bitachin, with, that lives with clarity, that yes, it's, it's Hashem is the one that, that, that sends the results. Hashem sends all the bracha. He has to do very little in the way of hishtalis. Yaakov Avinu essentially is on such a high level of emunah that if he wants to be safe at night from the lions and the bears, all he has to do is a minute amount of hishtalis, put stones around his head, and now he's safe. Because at the end of the day, who's the one that's protecting him from the, from the bears and the lions? Not his stones. His stones is a game. His stones is, is, is rolling the dice and moving, moving, the, moving the token down on the Candyland board. That's all it is. Hashem is the one that's saving him from the lions. And it's so clear to him that all he has to do is a token, a token a gesture of Ishtadlus, and Gosh Baruch takes care of the rest. But, you know, it, it, it cannot be overstressed how important this lesson is, is for, you know, any of us in life. You know, once you're in the adult world, that is the world of Ishtadlus. And we all have a tendency to get caught up in, in, in believing, you know, buying into the false, falsehood that our efforts are what's generating the results. And the more we buy into it, the more HaKadosh Baruch Hu really does take a step back. That's what he does. If we believe it's all us, then Hashem takes a step back and says, okay, it's you guys. Sure, gazunta hate. I'll let you, you hold it. You're taking care of your life. I'll let you take care of your life. 
We have to make a shtas, of course, but we have to have a healthy, well-balanced, and well-maintained uh, and you know, there's a few, the biggest indicator is like how, how nervous do we get when things are not in our control? It's always the biggest indicator. Because there's things that are in our control, that's hishtadlis. And then there's the, you know, <clears throat> the very, very, what can be very nerve-wracking and very uh, stressful when, you know, I'm involved in any kind of business and things are suddenly out of control on me and, and, and I can't do anything about it. So how nervous do I get? If I get nervous, that's an indicator that I believe in my own hishtadlis. They're starting to downsize. What's going to be with me? I miss this client. What's going to be? I miss this. They, they snatch this contract away right from under my nose. I had it in my hands, and this, they, 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 they undercut me. They underbid me. But we can't do anything about it anymore. So how nervous do we get? If we get nervous, it's an indicator that we are out of alignment with our Amun Abitachon. If we don't get nervous, it's okay. That's, I'm in Hashem's hands. I did everything that I could have done. I did everything that I was able to do. So that means the bracha wasn't supposed to come from here. The bracha will come from elsewhere. I have an old chaber. Um, who, who his business is actually the, uh, he's in, um, what he does is, uh, I think a bit of a, what they call a dodgy business, a shady business a little bit. I don't think, it, technically it's not illegal, but, uh, but only technically. What he does is uh, he, he uh, buys up huge sections of football and baseball stadiums, and then he, he sells them. He sells them on the market. So he takes a gamble which team is going to do well this year, and then he's like an agent, like a, like a scalper, right, an online scalper. So, so um, there's nothing technically illegal because he can always, uh, you're not allowed to do it as an agent, but the argument always is that, uh, well, you know, I just, I'm a big football fan, big sports fan, I like to go with all my buddies, or I like to go, like to have a whole section to myself, <laughs> very rowdy crowds over there at the football stadium. So, I, but, you know, but at the end, I just can't make it to that game, so I have a lot of, you know, friends who are willing to pay me for the, for the, for the seats. Anyway, so, but the, the issues like this, they're always trying to shut these people down. And they have the right, they have some kind of agreement with the stadiums, they can, they can seize people's tickets. They can seize seats on people. If they, they can seize the tickets, they have to, they reimburse it, but they can seize them. If they... They don't reimburse them. What? They don't reimburse them? So they don't even reimburse them. So if they, if they, if they like, smell something fishy, they can seize the, the, the tickets. So it's a constant, you know, it's a constant gamble. You're playing the market, you know, and you can make lots and lots and lots of money. But just like that, you can have... You know, season tickets <clears throat> for a team that's, that's going on their way to the Super Bowl, and they can take them all away, just like that. So Kisader, it happens to this guy every single week, that he makes tons of money, and he loses tons of tickets. And he has a constant struggle with this, in, in this area. Like, you know, we speak regularly, just he, he's constantly, like, being mechazic himself, really, in this area. But, like, a job like that, you know, you can imagine, if a person is not living with a clarity of a munabitachan, then you're in a constant zone of just never-ending stress, never-ending stress. If you hold that, that, that you're running the show, then the moment you can't, you know, someone overpowers you and you can't do anything about it, life is, is a very stressful place to be. But if we have the Amun Bitochen, you know, approaching that of Yaakov Avinu, then we know that that's the most tranquility, place of the most tranquility, the most tranquil place to be is when I'm powerless. When I'm powerless, then it's completely in Hashem's hands. Yeah, okay, but anyway, either way, that's the Pashup Shat and the Rashi. That's the Pashup Shat and the Rashi over here, <clears throat> is that putting racks around his head will protect all of Yaakov, not just his head, because that's all he needs to do. That's all he needs to do. Because there was high level clarity as in Bitochen, Bitochen Hashem, that's all the Hishalas he needs to do. Um, so Yaakov Avinu, when he wakes up, he makes a Tzvila to Hashem. Makes a tefillah. He um, after he has this dream, and he sees um, 
the Malachim going up and down. He sees the Shechina there. He sees the Kisei Kavod. Chazal tell us. <coughs> so he says, this is page one forty six, one forty seven. He says, Yaakov Imye likim imadi. If Hashem will be with me, Ushmarani He will protect me on my journey. He'll give me food, he'll give me clothes. And he'll, he'll return me in peace to my father's house. I'll come back in peace. And Hashem will be for me a God. Then if he does all that, he protects me on the way there, protects me on the way back, and he gives me everything I need the whole time. This stone I shall make into an altar, and I'm going to take my sir from everything that he gives me. So um, a whole very nice, <coughs> eloquent tefillah. And um, the, the question is, like, he's saying specific things. He means different things with each element over here. And the final element in his tefillah is, if Hashem shall be for me a God. What does that mean, if Hashem shall be for me a God? What? The im from the beginning goes all the way through. It's an im that keeps going, yeah. If is going on everything. So, um, what does it mean that if Hashem will be my God all the way through? Says Rashi, Hashem shall keep his name on me from beginning to end. What does that mean? What does it mean Hashem shall be for me a God all the way through that I know I'm going off on a mission to get married and have kids? If... None of my kids are found to be puzzle, are found to be um, subpar, are, are, are uh, off. If none of my kids turn out to be off, if all my kids stay on, turn out to be good, good members of the, of the Jewish nation, that's, then I'll know that Hashem was my God from beginning to end. So it means that Yaakov Avinu, we find, is um, davening its feel over here. Every mother... Davins this when she lights the candles Friday night, right? This is the feel of every Yiddish Amamo. They, 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 when they, uh, they do that thing with their hands. You guys know that thing with their hands? That thing with the hands? I don't know, whatever, whatever, whatever they're supposed to be doing. Let them do it. Let them do it. Yeah, <laughs> whatever that is. Um, you don't, we don't get in the way of these things. Um, right, it's Bobby's Minak, that's right. It's more like... <laughs> That depends what's going on in the house right before Shabbos. Go ahead and share. Try that first, and then, okay. So, uh, so um, um, I'm still looking for a mucker for that one, by the way. But you don't have to, you know, to get all tamuric. What? That's right. Yeah, yeah. No, there isn't any because they 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 make the bracha afterwards. The bracha should be over lasiyason, so to be nana from the or, right? There isn't anything like that. Say to make the bracha and then to be nana from the or. First of all. They don't know that. <laughs> second, <laughs> second of all, they do this whole. You guys, you ever watch your wives like like the whole uh, whole thing? And it, I think they're big mavriach, the ruchos and the shadim and the mazikim. I'm not sure exactly. But anyway, but 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 uh, Rabbi Abram is right. We can't make fun of these things because because who knows who knows what they're they're bringing in peace. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyway, so uh, bringing in peace. Okay, the kids are. So this is what all the all, all the all the Yiddish techter, the Yiddish imams are davening for when they light the Shabbos candles, that um, all their kids should be good, should stay on 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 the derech, hashem not go off. So here's the Shiloh. There's a very beautiful, eloquent feeler from Yaakov Avinu. Yes, 
What's the pshat? The Yaakov, who's the third of the Avis, is the first of the Avis that's making such a tefillah. We don't find anyone else before Yaakov, you know, davening this tefillah. Please, Rebbe make sure that all my kids stay yashar. Make sure that all my kids stay, you know, erluch. Nobody before Yaakov, you know, davens this. But not only that, the plot thickens. Things take actually a bit of a sinister turn. Maybe gloomy. Gloomy is a better word. Yaakov is the first one that's davening for all his kids to stay yosher and on the derech. Nobody else before Yaakov makes this tefillah. And not only that, we find that everyone before Yaakov actually had a kid that went off the derech. Yaakov his tefillah, first of all, wasn't his kaim. All 12 of his children end up being the shifte ka. And that's what he says uh, all the way at the end in Vayechi when he's giving a bracha. Call Eila shifte ka. And Taka the bracha was in his kaim. They were all erlich, they were all kosher, good, upstanding Jews. Good. Not only no one davened this before Yaakov, but everybody till Yaakov had a kid that went off. Right? That's the trend. Yitzchak has a Yishmol, has, has, has an Esav. Avram has a Yishmol. And not only that, let's go back before Avram. There were big pillars of the Bria even before, before Avram, right? We have Adam, who produces a Kayin. We have Noyach, that produces a Chum. So every big pillar, every, every giant of his time, up until Yaakov Avinu, Starting from Adam Arishon has a kid that goes off. Why is it that, that uh, nobody till Yaakov is making this tefillah? And Yaakov makes the tefillah and the tefillah is in his kind. So the two questions really are two opposite, two sides of the same coin. Why no one makes this tefillah and why taka? Is this the trend? And till Yaakov, everyone has a kid that goes off and Yaakov is, is, is the one that breaks the trend. He's the only one that bucks the trend. Why is it? The terrorist is really the other way around. It's not so much that nobody... The question is not, how come nobody davened this tefillah till Yaakov? Because they didn't daven this tefillah. No one till Yaakov offered this tefillah, made this plea to Hashem, please let my, all my kids stay on the derech, because they knew that that wasn't their task, and that wasn't their destiny. Their destiny was not to produce children that would all stay on the derech. Whereas Yaakovino knows that this is his destiny, he wants to fulfill his destiny. His destiny is to produce lots of children that will all stay on, all become members of the Jewish nation, all be founders in their own way, 12 founders of, of 12 different streams of Judaism. Yaakov knows that this is his task, and therefore he davens this. Everyone until Yaakov knows that that's not what they're destined to do, they don't make this tefillah. But why is that the case? Why is that the trend until Yaakov? And Yaakov is the one that's the trendsetter. He's aware of this, and everyone is aware that they're not supposed to be the Yaakov. What is the, going on behind the scenes in that? So the, the idea is like this. Idea is like this. Till Yaakov Avinu, everyone represents a certain mida, a certain kayach, a certain, a certain uh, character trait that has to be brought in into the world. It's well known, Avram and Yitzchak's Avram is, is chesed. He has to bring chesed down. He embodies chesed. We have to emulate chesed. Loving kindness. Yitzchak is gur, is self-control. And that's what they bring to, into, into the world. That's what they espouse. That's what they teach. And that's what we have to emulate from them. Adam and, and, and Noich in their way also had certain elements that they brought down. Pre-creational, let's say, pre-Klyisrael. But they also had specific specific. Uh, stamps and specific imprints that they left, very specific ones. Yaakov also has his character trait. Yaakov's character trait is what's called Tiferes, it's called MS, it's called lots of different things. But the difference between Yaakov's trait and everyone else's trait is that Yaakov's trait of Tiferes is the trait of balance, of balance. And the trait of Yaakov, the meat of Yaakov, 
is being able to bring balance and harmony to everything else. Meaning, chesed is one specific direction, one specific motion, specific type of energy. That's chesed, it's giving. Din is the opposite, is, is, is suppression, is limitation. Yaakov's Mido is being able to balance the two, knowing when to give and when not to give. When to open your hand, when to close your hand. When to have a livkois and ace lischoik, a time to laugh and a time to cry. That's the whole Mida of, 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 of uh, Tiferes. The Mida of, of Tiferes. That's what the Mida is. Balance. So now, the lesson that's going on over here, the idea that's going on really, is that Anytime there is a one-sided approach to Hashem, a one-sided approach to Judaism, that's always going to go off somewhere. Because if it's Judaism that's unbalanced, it's going to produce some, it's, going to, it's necessarily going to produce bad results somewhere. If, if your Judaism is all chesed, all giving, all love, all love, your approach to Judaism is that of just telling Hashem all day long how much you love Him. And, and telling the whole world how much you love Hashem. And just... Try to jump as high as you can to tell Hashem how much you love Him. You can advertise that to the whole world. If that's your Judaism, is it just a, just a long expression of love, it's going to go off. Because there's no such thing as Judaism which is only love. There has to be balance. If it's only love, it's going to produce, it's gonna produce side effects that, that are going to be way off. Conversely, if your Judaism is all of fear, all of limitation, and you don't have the ability to... to act out, to, to reach out, to touch people. You don't have the ability to give. You just have the ability to be very withdrawn, very small. That's also going to produce a kind of what we call a psul. It's going to produce some defective elements. It's also unhealthy. It's an unhealthy approach to Judaism. Memela. Avram brings down chesed. And that was his task, was to bring down chesed. But bring, being that he's only chesed, that necessarily produces, um, is going to produce some, uh, a, 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 the fact that it lacks that balance has to show up somewhere, and that shows up in Yishmol. Yitzchak embodies Gevura. He embodies the ability to, be, to have self-control. But again, an approach which is one side of self-control necessarily is going to have some defective elements, and that is Esau. Yaakov, being that Yaakov's meat is Shlemus, Yaakov's meat is rather is Tiferes, is balance. Yaakov is the first one who has the ability to produce well-rounded, balanced avoid of Hashem, a well-balanced approach to Judaism. He's the first one that has the ability to to to, to, to to get away with producing no, no um, defects anywhere. And that's exactly what his tefillah is. His tefillah is not, Hashem, let, let all my kids be, be, be Ehrlich, let all my kids be from. His tefillah essentially is, let me reach my meat of balance. Let me achieve full balance, full perfection in my meat of balance. And if I do that, then I'll know that there won't be any psul in my zera. And that's why his tefillah is, be my God from beginning to end. And all of my servitude of you, I want, you, I want to have that connection with you. I want you to be my God. That means I want to have a perfected approach to the Mida of Tiferes, of balance, and that will show up in the fact that all my kids will be wholesome. There won't be a psul in any, any of my kids. So the reason why no one dives this tefillah until Yaakov is because it's not their place to dive in this tefillah. It's not their place to bring balance out into the world. It's the place to be a chesed, which necessarily has to produce a, a psul and, 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 and pure din, gvura, which has to produce a psul. Okay? Yaakov falter in this anyway? That he was more loving of Rachel over Leah and was more loving of Yosef over the other sons and he was showing that it wasn't balanced and that's what you know, snowballed into what Mitzrayim was. Into Mitzrayim? Into going down to Mitzrayim. Into the whole episode of Yosef. Yeah, so... You, 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 is that his balance wasn't equal. 
Um, okay, so it's like this. It's like this. There, there is um, good. That's a good question. It's a very good question. There's a difference between um, not having a hundred percent tikkun, hundred percent perfection in his meat of balance, and and um, not not bringing to the world what the midah that he has to bring down to the world. Meaning, let, let's, let's address the question. So Rabbi Freud is asking that we know that, 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 there, that there was a shake-up in his kids and there was some rivalry which produced uh, the Mechir of Yosef, which sends Yosef to Mitzrayim, which sends Klaiso to Mitzrayim. That's true. That's true. Does that mean that Yaakov didn't achieve Shlemus in, in, in achieving balance, if that showed up in his kids? So the answer is no. He did achieve Shlemus. He achieved Shlemus in terms of... of, of um, Bringing the meter down and and um, and and uh, presenting it to the world in a very clear form. In his own, let's say, personal affairs. So, on a personal level, he wasn't always there. Were, let's say there were, he was slightly short of that one hundred percent of him personally in his personal life within his own household, um, acting on that. So that shows up in his kids, and that creates a slight imbalance, and that creates mitzrayim. But if Yaakov Avinu wouldn't have, is what he presents to the world, what he teaches the world, and then, and then carrying it on that on a personal level. So in terms of the personal level, that's the Pratt. So that is going to create a, a little bit of an of, of a, um, issue that has to be worked out of Mitzrayim. In terms of the Klal, what he presents to the world, he brought down Emes and Tiferes Bishlemus. And therefore, Rashi is correct. Rashi says he doesn't want a Psul to be in any, in any of his kids. In other words, the biggest proof that he did bring it down in a perfected way to the world, and he taught it, gave it over in a perfected way, is the fact that all of his kids end up becoming the 12 Shiftei Ka. If he wouldn't have been able to bring down Emma's down fully, then one of his kids would have had to been knocked out of Klaizol. A kid would have been knocked out. And the same way Yishmol gets knocked out and Esav gets knocked out, if he wouldn't have brought this down fully, then one of his kids would have been knocked out. But all the kids end up remaining members of Klaizol. That is the indicator that he brought the Mita down as a Klal, as what... Yaakov to the world was supposed to be, so that's given over to, 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 to Klai Yisrael, because Yaakov brought that meter down, but in, in, uh, as far as Yaakov is a prat, you know, his inner dealings, internal dealings with his own household and his own family, that's where there was a little bit of uh, turbulence over there. Can I make a suggestion as well? Sure. Maybe that's why Ephraim and Menashe had to be the next generation afterwards as part of the Shifte because it wasn't complete in and of itself as the 12 Shifte They needed Ephraim and Menashe to be a part of that, and that was the next two sets of brothers that then created the same exact balance. And Yaakov realized that, and that's why when he gave the brachos, he... Gave Maybe, don't know. That's something to yeah. look into. Could be, could be. Part of the brotherhood, that they were much yeah. part of the brotherhood, that somebody could be ahead and not That was jealous. a little bit off still, even with the shift they Could be, could be. Okay, all right, that's that. Let's, let's uh, discuss one final topic over here, and that is, let's start with a question. I want to read a Pasuk, and I think the Pasuk just presents the question on, with, without having to say anything. I think if you just read the Pasuk, the Pasuk immediately is uh, begging, begging the question. So, so we all know, see, Yaakov marries um, Rachel, and then he, I'm sorry, he marries Leah, and then he marries Rachel. He works seven years, he works another seven years. He marries uh, Azilpah, he marries Abila. He has lots of kinderlach. And um, in the middle of this episode, so Leah's having lots of kids, and then Rachel's not having any kids. Rachel gives Billah to, to Yaakov. Billah has kids. 
Then Rachel gives Zilpa to Yaakov. Rachel, uh, Leah, Leah rather, gives Zilpa to Yaakov. Leah has more kids through Zilpa. And Rachel, meantime, Rachel still doesn't have any kids. Rachel's pining away for a kid. She still doesn't have any kids. So one day, Ruvain comes home from the field, and he presents his mother with Dudoyim. He's Dudoyim flowers. And uh, Chazal tells us these Dudoyim flowers were, were, um, had some powers of uh, fertility. They, they had some, um, they were, they were um, asgula. They were auspicious for, for, um, for having kids. And Ruvain brings them back for Leah. And Rachel sees the flowers, and Rachel asks Leah for the flowers. So what does Leah say back to Rachel when Rachel asks her for the flowers? She says the following. Here's the Pasuk. Leah says this to Rachel. What does Leah say? Hama'at. Is it not bad enough already? Says Leah to Rachel, you've already run off with my husband. You took my husband. You took my husband. Yaakov. My man. In other words, Yaakov prefers you. He likes you better than everyone else. You already took Yaakov from me. You're going to take my flowers too, Rachel? Chutzpah, Rachel. You took my husband and now you're going to take my flowers? This is what Leah says to Rachel. So what's the kasha? Leah is telling Rachel that Rachel has chutzpah. How can Leah say such a thing to Rachel? What, did, you know what Rachel did for Leah? What did Rachel do for Leah? Yaakov, you know, made a what? She gave the samanim. What would have happened if Rachel wouldn't have given her the samanim? Then on, on the wedding night, Yaakov would have come down so nowadays, you know, they only ask Shavapruta, they ask, you know, a few questions by the Chuppah. Yaakov had some more questions to ask. Yeah, he had made Simonim, he made up Simonim. With, with um, Yaakov was probably the Masada Kedushin, right? <laughs> Whoever Lovin would have got, would have, would have brought in over there, uh, presumably, that um, wasn't such a, um, a big time of Chacham, Lovin's Masada Kedushin. But anyway, um, he made up Simonim. It's a well-known, famous idea that they made up Simonim with each other. So that way he, he, was, he was suspicious that he was going to get tricked and duped. So he made up Simonim with Leah, with Rachel. At the last moment, Lovin switches Leah with Rachel. He puts Leah up there instead. And Rachel doesn't want Leah to get embarrassed, so she goes to Leah and she, she gives her the Simonim. She says, these are the Simonim, this is what Yaakov is going to ask you for. So if not for Leah, for Rachel, Leah would have been embarrassed there at the wedding, at the chuppah, and the whole, the whole thing would have been exposed, and, and, and not only that, she went to marry Yaakov, right? Yaakov would have gone to Lavan and demanded uh, Rachel. He would, have, he would have given a whole, a whole, a whole shmuz, and he would have, he would have the, the, the game would have been over. So Leah's only in, in, in this position of being a wife of Yaakov only because of Rachel. And, and Rachel saved her, her Jewish life over here. And Rachel spared her from embarrassment. And now Leah's turning around and saying to Rachel, it's not bad enough that you took my husband, now you're taking my flowers. How can Leah such a, say such a thing to Rachel? How can Leah say such a thing? So the Emes is like this. The Emes is that um, there's, there's quite a lot going on over here beneath the surface. And yes, it's true that Chazal say that Leah was given this amount by Rachel and, that, and then she spared her the embarrassment. That's true. That's true, but we actually take that a little bit too far. The Velt takes that too far. We all take that too far. We take that to mean that, that not only she gave her the Simonim, she spared her from shame and embarrassment at the Chuppah, but she also gave her the ability to marry Yaakov. The shame and embarrassment, that is true, but the, the right to marry Yaakov, that part's not true. In other words, and we can, there, there's, there's many proofs to this, Yaakov Avinu comes to Lovin's house, comes to Chor, knowing that he's going to have to marry both of them. 
He knew all along that he has to marry Rachel and he has to marry Leo. And the question wasn't if he's going to marry Leo. The question was just when he's going to marry Leo. He wanted to marry Rachel, not instead of Leo, but before Leo. His plan is to marry Rachel first and then to marry Leo. But he knew all along he's got to marry both of these women. Without getting into the proofs, but just one, one, um, one, what the, just the idea behind that, the basic idea behind that is actually very much linked and connected to last week's parsha. To say this very much in brief, um, Yaakov Avinu and Esav together originally were supposed to side by side, hand in hand, create Klai Yisrael. Yaakov Avinu was supposed to have only fifty percent of the job, and and that's really what's going on when Yitzchak wants to give Esav the brachas. Esav had a role to play, and Yaakov had a role to play. Together, the two of them were supposed to create Klai Yisrael. Two of them together, the Svarim tell us, were supposed to each have six children, and the two of them together were supposed to bring out the twelve Shratim. And one was supposed to marry Rachel, one was supposed to marry Leah. Rashi brings it down, it's a Gemara Baba the people said that Yitzchak has two sons, and, and, and Lavan has two daughters. And this, this son was for this daughter, and this son for that daughter. If people on the street were saying that they weren't, it wasn't just uh, you know everyone trying to play shatchan. It was there was something going on. There was an awareness that Yaakov and, and Esav are supposed to be par- paired up with Rachel and Leah, and together everyone's supposed to build Klai Yisrael. Each of them had a role to play. Now we know that Esav fell short of that role. Esav became a bum. He went off the derech, and he became a really bad person. He he basically cut himself out of Klai Yisrael. But Klai Yisrael still needs to go on. We still need twelve shvatim. Yaakov comes to Chara knowing that Esav is out of the picture, and he comes to Chara knowing that it's now on his shoulders, so not just to be a Yaakov, to be Yaakov and an Esav, to marry Rachel and Leah, and from Rachel and Leah together to have 12 Shvatim. Aye, the question is asked. They are, they are um, <clears throat> two sisters. They are two sisters. How can you marry two sisters? So, there's a... Uh, Reb Chaim says that, and as he's, there are two sisters, we know the, 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 the forefathers kept Kol Tarakula before Ma'an Torah. Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, before, before Ma'an Torah, they kept the Tariq Mitzvahs. And one of the Mitzvahs is that you're not allowed to marry two sisters. So it says Reb Chaim Volashenor, you saw that before Ma'an Torah, although they did keep Kol Tarakula, but the Avas had the right to, to make calculations. And they had the right to say, if I see that by not keeping the Torah over here, I can actually do more in the world, I can, I, can, I can accomplish more, then they would waive the Torah. They wouldn't keep the Torah over there. In general, they kept the Torah, but if they were able to see with their insight, with their divine inspiration, with their Ruach HaKadosh, that by not keeping the Torah over here, I'm, I'm actually accomplishing more, then they didn't keep the Torah. Yaakov Inu, therefore, his only, the only right that he had to marry all these sisters was by virtue of the fact that he knew he had to be a Yaakov and he had to be a Esau, so therefore he has to marry Rachel and he has to marry Leah. So the issue was never if he's going to marry Leah. The issue was just when he's going to marry Leah. And it, it, would, have been, um, it would have been the following week, right? It would have been after the Shabbat Rachel, Rachel, then he would have married Leah. In the end, so yes, Leah, Rachel did spare her from embarrassment, and she maybe gave her an extra seven days of marriage with Yaakov, but she did not do the, the job of giving Yaakov as a husband to Leah. Rachel did not do that. So when Leia says, what she's really saying is Yaakov was supposed to be, let's take that a step further. What is Leia's argument to Rachel? Yaakov is supposed to be a husband to both of us because he has to be a Yaakov and he has to be an Esav. He has to be an equal husband to both because he has to bring out Klai through both of us together. And for some reason, he's only staying with you. So yes, you're taking my husband away from me because you're taking 100% of Yaakov and we're each supposed to have 50% of Yaakov because together we're supposed to be raising Klai I can't do it on my own. I have to have Yaakov working together with me. And for some reason, he's busy all the time with you.
that is essentially what Leah is saying. That you're taking my husband, because yes, it wasn't Rachel that made Yaakov a husband of Leah. He just gave her seven extra days. Why is that? Lamaisa translates, so that's what Leah is saying. You have 100% of Yaakov, and I'm supposed to have, but you're supposed to have 50%. Why is Yaakov giving her 100% and not dividing it 50 50? So that's something that can be explained in coming weeks. And, and the Mir Tzashem will talk about that down the road, because there's still a lot more to talk about the Yaakov and Esav. But I just want to bring a very nice proof in closing to this idea that Leah and Rachel were always supposed to, each of them were supposed to marry Yaakov, and together they were supposed to produce Klai Yisrael. And the only reason that Yaakov married two sisters was to create Klai Yisrael through two of them together, both of them together. With that, we can understand what otherwise would have been a very, very difficult Rashi. When, Leah, when Rachel finally has a kid, what does she say? In Pazach of Gimel, she, she said, when she finally has a kid, she says, Hashem has gathered in my shame, my abuse. Hashem has taken care of my shame. So Rashi brings down a few pshatim. What's the, there's one pshat that Rashi is a very interesting pshat. What's the one that's very, I mean, they're all very interesting. What does Rashi say over there? The, not the one about the breaking the coffee cup. I, I what? Give me another one. Yes, and there's a third pshat. There's a third pshat. What's the third pshat? So I'll read it. That, that was the coffee cup one. There's a list, and I'll read it. Um, I'm sorry. I was, I was really uh, ashamed. I, I, was, I, was, I was scared the whole time that I was, I was barren. I wasn't having a kid. People were saying out there in the street that what's going to happen? I'm not producing a kid for Yaakov. I'm terrified, says Rachel. I was terrified that Yaakov was going to divorce me, and I'm going to have to go marry Esau. This is what Rashi says. Rashi says, until she has a kid, until she produced a kid for Yaakov, she's terrified that Yaakov's going to divorce her, says Rashi, and she's going to go and have to marry Esau. So two caches on this Rashi, a shver Rashi. Hey, what kind of achzer do you have to be to divorce your wife? You have kids from you otherwise. Why does he have to send, throw Rachel out of the house? She's afraid that Yaakov's going to divorce her just because she's not producing a kid? you got to be a major achzer, a major, that's an act of high-level cruelty. Why is she afraid he's going to do that? And the second question is, so automatically she's going to go to Esau? Why is she going to go to Esau just because Yaakov divorces her? Why is she afraid that Yaakov is going to divorce her because she's not having any kids? Because Yaakov is married to two sisters. And Yaakov wants to keep called Tarakula. His only had to be married to two sisters is if, is if what? It's accomplishing the greater good of building Klaistro. That's his only had to be married to two sisters. No, if Rachel is not producing kids from then what? Then he has no head to be married to two sisters anymore. And he has to keep called Tarakula. The default is Yaakov keeps called Tarakula unless he sees a chesh that he's making more tikkun by not keeping it. His only right, therefore, to stay married to Rachel is if Rachel's producing Klaisrol. If Rachel's not producing Klaisrol, he's going to have to divorce. That's what she's terrified of. He's not a cruel person, but he has to keep called Tarakula. His only head to marry Rachel is when she's creating Klaisrol. And second of all, why is she going to go automatically to Esav? Because the, 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 her terror is that one second. Yaakov, why did Yaakov marry Rachel and Leah? Because Esav apparently. Is, is not, is not going to be part of Klai Yisrael. Now Yaakov has to be Yaakov and Esau. He has to marry two, the two daughters of Laban to produce Klai Yisrael. But one second. What's going on then if Rachel is not producing kids for Yaakov? That's perhaps an indicator that what? That maybe Esau does have a future. That maybe Esau is destined to be part of Klai Yisrael. She is going to have to go to Esau Rosh. She's going to have to go to Esau the bum. Because if she's not producing kids for Yaakov, that must be a divine sign, a heavenly indicator that Esau still does have something to do, and that's why Rachel's not compatible with Yaakov right now. That's why Rachel's not producing kids for Yaakov, because it's still supposed to be Esau. So the answer is both have the Rashi Mamish beautifully. A, she's afraid she's going to get divorced because his only head to be married to her is to create Klai Yisrael. No kids. That means no, no right to, to, to 
break that part of the Torah. And the reason why she would naturally go to Esav is because this would be the sign that Esav still does have a role to play. Okay, which should be well. A good Shabbos, everyone. Recording if, if calls coming in the middle. I saw it like it was flashing in the middle. Stop in the middle. Did you did you stop it? No.